Welcome to our podcast where we will be talking about life and all its flavors with the hopes of making ripples with words. I'm Uriel and in this episode we will be talking about the process of creating and understanding music beyond lyrics or words with Mr. Daniel Xavier. Hi Daniel! <laughs> Hi Uriel! <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. Uh, same. Uh, Work, work on the weekdays and then do other stuff or do other stuff uh, after work hours. I see. So for the listeners, he is currently uh, doing communications branding and is also a musician. And you'll actually find this music on Spotify. I believe you released your album, was it a, a year ago? Or Basically, yeah. Um, or it's almost been recently. a full year since I've released it. I th- I think I released it um, Q4, so that's around like late October, early November, if I, if my memory is correct. Nice, I see. Well, uh, so like I was saying, for the listeners, you might want to check this music out. It's on Spotify. The album name is Memento Mori, which we will be talking more about later. And I, I actually have personally taken the time to listen to it now, having known Dan Yu for a while now. And... It has resonated with me, you guys. So, and even I have a few favorite tracks myself, which is why I'm also looking forward to hearing about the creative process and the journey of putting this album together. But before we delve on that, um, can you share or give us a bit of a background on how your music journey started? Yeah, for sure. Um... So I started playing the guitar roughly when I was like grade six, I think. Uh, my interest in music uh, was basically because I had an elder brother that hijacked my iPod before with, wasn't even an iPod, it was an MP3 player. And he hijacked it with all of his like, um, with a lot of rock, uh, metal, and like guitar nerd stuff. And from there, basically, that informed, I think, a lot of my preference to music, um, towards music. So uh, my main genre has always been in the rock realm. But uh, as mm-hmm. I've started to write music also, um, I've taken a lot of influence from um, basically anything that sounds cinematic or that is very conducive towards uh, producing strong mental imagery. Ah, uh, interesting. So is that why most of your music really does not have any words? That's part of it, and we can get into that a little later. But as like a, as a form of context, yeah, that's partly you can say that you um, that a lot of it is that with the intention of producing just uh, mental imagery, and it's meant to be quote unquote cinematic. And I brand it actually as quote unquote mm. cinematic rock. Okay, so what would you think was like, kumbaga um, like sparked your interest or? You know, made you want to pursue this kind of music. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a very loaded question because um, so, uh, Sigura, I can branch off from again how m- uh, my music influence was very focused on the rock realm, and um, when I was learning to play the instrument, a lot of um, excitement would come from like learning how to play like very difficult guitar solos and stuff like that, and then. Later on, lang it just kind of um, occurred to me that there are there's music wherein it's like it's almost the whole like the whole thing is a guitar solo, or 
which is basically what my music is now. But um, that mm-hmm. oh, that very much um, opened, siguro me to the possibility that there is a way to, you know, there there is music that is not that does not rely on um, that doesn't even need to say anything to um, to quote unquote tell a story. Honestly, I have to say I do get that. Like while I was listening to your album, I don't know. I felt like yun nga, parang it was reflective because for me, maybe that's why it did resonate with me, and I did feel like there was like an underlying meaning to it, even though walang words. Um, so can you tell us about the process of choosing the title? Oh, okay. Of your album? So, <laughs> wow, that's uh, well. Actually, be, um, be, before we get into that, also, because I'll just jump off of what you mm. said. Nah, um, even instinctually, you would get it, and I think I like I like to use the analogy of like you know how a, a picture says a thousand words, but um, in reality, not no words have been have really been said, aside from basic maybe the title of that picture or whatever. So it's like a similar concept, mm. and uh, with this one. Memento Mori. The purpose basically behind this album was that I wanted to write something almost like a time capsule of uh, because I have this weird thing with music also na um, there's there are certain pieces of music that when I listen to it it, trig- it triggers a very weird nostalgia in me that it, it almost as if brings me back to that point in time and then it's almost like I can feel and to an extent also uh, remember, I like get a very strong recollection of what was going on, what I was thinking. It's very weird. Uh, and the, on the flip side, also, there's other just like there are just sounds I hear sometimes that it might just trigger something in me that, like, in my imagination, that like might not even really be an experience or uh, anything that I know personally. But it's just that there's like it. It has a very strong. Uh, Trigger basically in in my um, <laughs> in the way I think, and then sometimes it's just compelling enough for me to want to uh, you know do something with it and write something. Uh, but going back, Memento Mori basically was just uh, a time capsule for what I was thinking of. I think basically during my late college days, and I think my first two years out of college, and the mm-hmm. uh, the punchline there being. It might seem like it's a doom and gloom statement because if you translate Memento Mori, it's remember you're going to die. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of... Uh, there's also been a lot of text that's been... Uh, and like a lot of like philosophy that's behind that. And it's basically trying to say, well, live life more purposefully. Um, do what... Um, and knowing that your time here is limited, um, do what you can to make it at least yours. And every other song that's in that album, technically, is um, in some way, shape, or form also relating towards that um, overall context. Wow. Beautifully said. <laughs> so it's would, been a while you, since I've said you... that, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so would you say that... Um... The inspiration that you get for your music are are mostly based on sensory experiences. 
because like you were saying ahanina diba you would hear something and it would trigger this kind of nostalgia in you and i know naman chamber when it comes to art diba people it really is based on experiences in general but for you would you say it's, it's more of like a specifically sensory thing no not really it's or like is it happy. more of like an imaginative Thing. Uh, it's. I'd say it's half of the time. It's like that. Like again, um, or I'd. I'd like to say it's a. It's a. It's a mix of both. Since um, inevitably, certain sounds will again just randomly conjure up images in my head, and um, from that, you know, from just jumping off from that, you can already say that it's like both a sensory and mental thing. But a lot of times, also, it's just me. Being a absolute music nerd and thinking about like music theory, and then just trying to experiment, and then seeing how far I can push that thing, that kind of thinking, and then only later it's like when I see the final product, it's like it, it's almost as if it tells me something, and then that's when I kind of some uh, attach some kind of meaning towards it that's more personalized, and uh, I don't like to impose that meaning because again, I think. You said something about you know music is an experiential thing, which is true, and I think that we experience or we relate to to music and to just sound in general in different ways. And whatever comes up in my head might not necessarily uh, be the same unto another person, and uh, it's an invitation basically to just explore that side of your imagination. Nah, it's. You're only really guided by the sounds you're hearing. Mm, I see, I see. Yeah, I, I, I get that. So in the in the context of your album, I'm I'm curious. What was the how should I say this? Is it like a turning point, or was it a realization that made you uh, want to finally produce this album? What was the push? <laughs> a lot of things. So, <laughs> uh, like on the personal level, I was. Just at that point in time, very interested in things like uh, philosophy in general and like existential, ex- more specifically existential philosophy, and that's why mm-hmm. uh, you know I have like a lot like their concepts of like time and uh, just uh, living your life to your um, based on your standards um, that greatly interested me and at, at that point when I, I you know I was still, <laughs> I was still a, a lot I was a lot more abrasive back then I thought music should only be written if there is if you have something very meaningful to say and uh, that like those were just ideas that were boiling in my head for a very long time to the point where I thought that I had something meaningful enough for me to put something out there and that's the personal level but on like the like on the actual like practicality side i kind of just wanted to prove that you can make good music and you can make a very professional sounding record without paying a lot of money or paying i basically didn't pay a lot of money aside from the people who helped me out i didn't go to a studio everything was like all guitars bass most of the instruments were uh, just recorded in my room or my friend's room and mm-hmm. I didn't um, it's basically born out of frustration that a lot of the studios here in 
that we have locally. Um, well, sad to say, um, a lot of them do produce subpar results. And uh, the thinking was, I'm not gonna pay money if I'm <laughs> if I'm gonna <laughs> like I don't care if it's not that expensive. But like the fact that I have to pay money to get only meh results uh, when mm. I like just to, I'd rather explore other alternatives and just like um, push heavily towards that. So it's mainly those two things. Mm. So was it was it all just you? Like all the instruments, self-produced, everything, than you, or did do you have a band or do you? I do have hire... bandmates. Yeah, I do have bandmates. Like they're just friends mm-hmm. of mine from college. But the songs would always start with me, and the process would always be in yeah, like, There would be something that would push me to uh, begin to write music and. Um, mm-hmm. I'd flesh out the idea. I'd uh, I'd write a demo. Um, normally, it starts with uh, the guitars. Like I'll come up with like chords and stuff first. Then I'll layer a melody over that, and then I'll start thinking of other stuff. Like okay, um, what other layers would I want to add to this? Like piano, bass, drums. It's normally that in that format, and then um, mm-hmm. I show it to. Uh, my bandmates. Basically, these are the guys who've been sessioning for me um, <laughs> since since like college. So uh, we just kind of have a soft agreement that we kind of carry that over. It's a common thing mm-hmm. also with just like solo artists that um, they'll kind of just write uh, a song on their own, and then they'll get other people to give their input and to elevate basically what's already um, been created. And uh, can you expound more on the process of putting the entire thing together? Like, how how did you decide now? Okay, we'll record everything in this room, in my in your room, pala, or in your friend's room. What about the instruments? Were they all provided for by you? And like, just you know, the general sense of putting everything together. What was that like for you? Ah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, generally, again. Uh, so, when the songs start with me, um, the general understanding is all guitar and bass is done with me. I, I have a bass player since I don't actually own a bass. But all of the other stuff that's not guitar related, uh, I delegate to my sessionists. So, I, I had a drummer who had an electronic drum set that he got a pretty good sound out of. Then my keyboardist had also um, has a keyboard that uh, he could just go direct into his computer with and then record from there. Um, and then everything else were just basically free downloads them that you can find over the internet. And then like putting together the team. Mm. Uh, well, when I draft the song, I already have like the main ideas there and like what the the overall sound song would sound like. And then um, it's just a matter now of like refining it to its best. And that's already that that's where it becomes now the job for uh, my sessionists. And then after that. After everything is compiled, every, after everybody submitted their parts, I just send it to one more person to uh, just to do all of the post-production, and yeah, that's basically the the entire process in a nutshell. But um, in deciding what room, well, it, it just depends on what instrument. So that uh, like uh, in this instance, room didn't make a difference in sound since everything would just be fed directly from instrument to computer. So that it was just a matter of what parts are we recording at that given moment and 
So if it were guitar and guitar and bass, it was with me. Drums, my drummer just did everything mm-hmm. on his own separately. Uh, keyboards, mm-hmm. keyboards and like synths and like all of the string instruments. Those are all just stuff that uh, could be found on my keyboardist's uh, electric keyboard. W- were there ever any moments where you had to like compromise certain things or you know like I don't know create makeshift versions of I don't know maybe instrument or what do you mean makeshift versions of instruments well I'm not really specifically talking about parang example ko lang yun. but like if there were any cases where you had to because diba you said yeah na you wanted to prove that you could you could produce quality music at a cheaper price did you have to compromise certain things ah okay yeah i kind of i kind of understand your question um i think the the biggest compromise really was just time because um nowadays um recording music uh, is so accessible that technically you can make anything sound good it's just that you really need to have the know-how to do it and uh alongside that and this is actually starting to segue also into that the part where it's balancing um, this project with corporate work that a lot of time aside from just mm-hmm. writing the songs that's a lot of mental power but a lot of mental power was also dedicated to just learning the craft of um, producing your own stuff because like a lot of the stuff online that's free can sound pretty good and um, it's really just a matter now of knowing uh, how to make things sound better and more so communicating also like what kind of sounds you want to hear um but i mean I, like on my level as a guitar uh, like with like guitar stuff i was fortunate enough that like i had i have a pretty good sounding guitar so i didn't really have to think too hard about that um and then everything else just free stuff that you could get on the internet and then same mm-hmm. uh again i think it was also just being smart with resources since again like that like we didn't have an actual drum kit. We just used my drummer's electronic drum kit, and then we were just uh, we just knew how to get it to sound good. So it was just that, like uh, um, dedicating a lot of time and um, to understanding music production. I see. And since we touched on it, Naren, how was that like balancing your corporate job and producing the album at the same time? So uh, I was still in the same job. Um, Yeah, so it was very, it was a very interesting thing because um, luckily, for most of the recording, I was able to do that before I got hired. So that um, mm. the only, the only part that um, I really had to um, project manage, basically, very corporate term. Kidding, <laughs> 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 kidding. Um, the only parts that I really had to like project manage, air quotes, is like. Um, that really studying the production level and under um, communicating that to my bandmates and siguro um, doing any retakes that um, would like uh, if if I feel like a certain part could have sounded better then I'll redo it but the what I think uh, was a bit challenging also is um, in terms of balancing um, you're, because you're basically starting from no knowledge to Um, so it's like I was basically shooting myself in the foot by going no knowledge to um, <laughs> uh, pro- professional level production. So uh, I was just lucky, also, siguro that um, I didn't have any other obligations to um, 
I, I didn't have other things that I was obligated towards. So after work hours, like literally from um, from like 6 p.m. On, until like midnight, sometimes mm-hmm. even longer, I'd just be there um, geeking out about recording and stuff like that. And then <laughs> wake up the next day, um, mm. go to work, be at work, like be at the office by 8 a.m. <laughs> and then clock out again at like 5, 6 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then repeat. But uh, that being said, yeah, that being said uh, mm. can be very tiring. And again, also, I'm just that kind of person that like, I was just at that moment was very ambitious about that. That like in hindsight, there were a lot of other things like that I pushed aside. Uh, like a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to be fair, a lot of like social time also just got um, got pushed aside just for like this one project that, uh, like you know, that was like really <laughs> in hindsight again very 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 ambitious. So it's it's a tough challenge, mm-hmm. and at, I think at a certain point after that, I did kind of actually in the middle of that because there was also a lot of downtime. I like, I would mm-hmm. also get very frustrated because. Um, especially like uh, with and during the post-production side, like I ran into like problems with um, our producer just because we weren't seeing eye to eye, and then like it, it would be very frustrating that like, hey, look, I'm putting in even more effort than any other band would <laughs> in terms of trying to mm. communicate what sound I'm going for, and it's like, and like I thought we were clear about this since day one, and we're still not seeing like. Um, we're, we're eye still, to eye. yeah, we're still not seeing eye to eye, and like you know, and results are, um, again, not also showing that. So, that th- those parts can be also a lot very frustrating. How long did you work on this album? Wow, uh, to write everything, siguro mga three years, three me, and then to record everything, another year. So it's an accumulative like four. But like I wouldn't even be surprised if I would say five years. It's been pretty long, actually. Nice. Well, good for you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So what would you say is the is the biggest challenge that you faced producing this? Well, that um, basically communicating uh, your ideas uh, mm-hmm. to so that like um, you're all on board and. It's also a challenge because, like, what I wanted to, um, very much also from the people who session for me or the people who work for me with this project was that whatever I do, um, they can enhance in a way that is um, also like uh, what's the term I'm looking for? In a way that is unique to them. So, and what I mean by that is like, oh, so yeah, it's my album, but technically it's also your album since you're part of it. So have your sound mm-hmm. but it's finding that balance of like um, where 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 can it be our sound basically and like and where our sound to, to, to the extent that it's like um, that what like what we whatever we created um, is basically fits to the the idea of the song the most so in in terms of producing this album I'm I'm actually more curious now about like the process because um, you you mentioned the banana one of the challenges for you was communicating to your producers like the kind of message that you wanted to kumbaga, the, the kind of message that you want your music to give off to be communicated to them as well right did yeah. I did I get that right that's correct so how did you go 
about the process of ensuring that. I'm assuming you're very particular. Um, you're not I mean, wrong sure... to say that. Especially, again, me during those days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, like, what was that like? Like, how did you ensure na the, 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 like we were saying, the message would be communicated properly? Especially in terms of your music that doesn't even involve any words or lyrics at all. I had this uh, weird approach. Uh, in hindsight, it's not the most, like, um, siguro, if I were to look back at the entire process, it would be, uh, like, a lot more straightforward. But what I do is, like, before starting on a new song, on working on a new song, I'd try to get, like, I'd try to call up or sit down with any of the members and then just ask what's their opinion of the song. And, um, like, I'll get a few opinions first and then I'll give them the context to what I was thinking of. And then, that well, that's on the more, like, storytelling side. And then, uh, from that, I'll also give, like, the examples of what I was, like, kind of get where I was getting my inspiration from. Because a lot of times, also, when I write, I'll get inspiration from, like, other songs that I think approximate the, the, the idea of the song. Mm-hmm. And then I just get, I'd ask for their input also on that. And then, uh, well, yeah. And then after that, it becomes it becomes a manner matter of uh, trial and error. But uh, with basically, an I don't want to say ultimatum, but for lack of a better word, that as a, with an ultimatum that if if like we are at an impasse, uh, just stick to what the the demo is. But then uh, there are times also na you're really, you like I myself would be very convinced that no, I think you have a good idea going, but we just have to like really drill down on this. And uh, uh, on that level, it just takes time. So if I were to ask you to uh, give, like describe your album in like one really short statement, how would you, how would you describe it? Or how would you introduce it? <laughs> uh, it's like a film score, but instead of the mu- instead of being the soundtrack to towards somebody else's film, it's the soundtrack to your imagination. And would you say that there, parang meron ka bang favorite track or a track that means more to you? <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> Care to uh, share? Of course. Uh, well, this is. Uh, it's actually an, a nice thing also to note that like this is also like. Um, I think the most well-received song, I think, and when I, whenever I play it, also like when I, on the times that I've played in gigs, uh, constants, and there is like mm-hmm. well, then I I can actually share the intention behind that, and uh, mm-hmm. I wrote that Siguro because that is actually the most warm song of the album, whereas everything else is a little more like half of it is like really theoretical, half of it is really um, dark. There's, there are other songs in the album that are quite dark and kind of, um, I wouldn't say sad, but, you know, it, it leans more towards that since they were written with, you know, um, heavier ideas in mind. But that one, hmm. it's like whenever I think of that song and even when I hear it, I still just get um, sensations of pure warmth because that was actually just dedicated towards uh, my friends at that time. Hence the name Constance, because uh, again, it was just written at around the time where uh, it wasn't exactly the, like 
in a very happy place. But there were also the people who would like keep you grounded and keep you um, would basically be uh, like uh, <laughs> I don't want to. It's gonna sound really bad of me, but I'm poking at myself. Basically, to get you out of your own head and bring you back to reality. And uh, mm. the fact also that you have people like that um, can be a very um, cathartic thing, and, and in, in a way that's um, more uh, warm. So, are you like right now? Not anything. No, <laughs> I am not. In fact, the, the, the ironic part is I don't really play guitar anymore. Because <laughs> like, uh, the idea being, I said what I had, I had to say. So until such time again that I uh, I have new stuff to say, uh, it's a good time to just let everything incubate. I guess I'm not saying I'm how, putting how it away How long has forever. it been? How long has it been since you last played? As a gig, Siguro like the last time was November, but uh, I don't like right now. I don't have a guitar with me or any or anything. I just <laughs> I just listen to music casually and. Uh, just yeah, just let ideas, music ideas, kind of incubate, and then because my guitar is uh, all the way in Cebu <laughs> while I'm here in Manila. I see, I see. Wow, so it it has been a while. Uh, yeah, I um, guess. But they say also time you... away from that and from your instrument is also a good way to um, let fresher ideas um, come up. Do you play any other instruments? No, I am a one-trick pony. <laughs> mm, I see, I see. I just know the concept of other instruments so, so that I can program them on the computer and then uh, just communicate that to my bandmates. Cool, cool, nice. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to share or you'd like to add before I wrap this up? Not much. Although, wait, sorry. You did also ask, right, on favorites. So I, I said Constance, but, uh, mm-hmm. well, technically the title track also, um, since that was actually the hardest song to write. And mm-hmm. it does also, well, I think it's, an, it's a very typical thing of, of with artists, or I don't even really want to call myself artists, but with anybody who produces quote unquote art, that mm-hmm. they get sick of their work. But I think. Uh, those two songs, Memento and Constance, still kind of just stick with me. Uh, Memento maybe because I really remember it was a very hard song to write, but uh, I was just very happy with the final product, and even until now. And conceptually, it is that um, focal point of where that condenses all of the other ideas from the album. Uh, Okay, I'm sorry. Now, I have to ask so do you think that also applies to you? Um, the statement that you said about artists getting sick of their own art? Of course. Like, I don't actually... Like, as I look back at my, at my previous stuff, I, like, I think it's just a self-criticism. And the only way I, I think that um, a lot of artists get over that is either by writing new music or just accepting the fact that you will always you will come to a point where you will be very overly self-critical and there's a thing da vinci said that that actually sums it up pretty well which is art is never finished only abandoned to a certain point you're gonna have to drop all of the thinking of, of like what where things can be better and uh just tell yourself that this is at this point in time um 
the best that you can do given every uh, all of your resources and all and whatever capacity that you have. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing, Daniel. Um, <laughs> the like a message you'd like to leave our our listeners with, or any last words? Yeah, definitely. Um, I say that I used to say this in gigs also that like so as this is while this is this was written or while my music was written with the intention of me trying to tell my story because I'm not really saying any words um, it's also a good invitation for it to for you to incorporate your own story into it and experience music on a diff, on a level that's to you personal and that's um, very uh, I guess mental and just enjoy that or it's an invitation to enjoy that I get it I get it <laughs> okay I'm thank glad you, you do thank I'm glad you. you do and that was Mr. Daniel Savior everyone please do check out his music on Spotify Memento Mori and this has been Uriel thank you for listening to our podcast and we hope that this episode inspires you to continue to make ripples with words. Bye! <laughs> bye, everyone! Bye, Daniel! <laughs> bye, Ariel. Thanks for having me. That was fun. <laughs>